good luck with the most beautiful game. Do us proud. Red alert! They're up and running again. So smooth, so sweet, splendid, succinct, just glorious execution. Guys, all I'm looking for is 60% effort or 1,000% of the time. How sharp was that? Sharp of mind and body. And that's why you see those beautiful tears. Look at his movements. The most dangerous man on the planet. Nobody picks him up. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Wonder Goal, the soccer betting podcast from the Action Network. My name is Michael Leboff. Joining me, as always, are my co-hosts and friends, confidants, BJ Cunningham and Anthony DeBundo. And this is our Champions League uh, preview for Tuesday, November 7th and Wednesday, November 8th. So we'll take you through match by match and give out our favorite bets uh, as we get to them. Uh, but before we do this we go on this handicapping adventure. A reminder that Wonder Goal is presented by Bet365, and Bet365 does not do ordinary. It believes that every sport should be epic, every tournament, every game, every point, every play, from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up with promo code ACTION, uh, and you'll get $365 in bonus bets when you bet just $1. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it is never ordinary at Bet365. You must be 21 or older. You must be present in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, New Jersey, Ohio, or Virginia. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, please call 1-800-GAMBLER in Colorado, Kentucky, New Jersey, Ohio, and Virginia, or 1-800-BETS-OFF in BJ's home state of Iowa. Terms and conditions apply. Uh, Yeah, so we got 16 uh, Champions League matches coming up. The slate is very tilted towards Wednesday being the better one. Uh, I know last week, last match day was the opposite with uh, Tuesday being the better one. It's just the way that the schedules worked out. So we'll do our best to make Tuesday seem interesting before getting to Wednesday, which I think is uh, plenty actionable. But we'll start with the headliner on Tuesday, which is Dortmund and Newcastle in uh, Dortmund at the yellow wall, uh, where Dortmund is a plus 162 Slight, 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 slight underdog. It's even unfair to call them that. It's basically a pick them on the three-way line. It's uh, Newcastle plus 160 and the draws plus 250. Anthony, uh, let's get this party started. Yeah, so I, I do I do show a little bit of value on Newcastle. Uh, you know, there's always a question of like, what do you make of what just happened, right? Because all of these matches that we just had were all played two weeks ago in the opposite arena. So you don't want to overreact to one game, but I think you can learn a few things from it that matter for the next game. The biggest thing for me was the first half uh, because I thought Dortmund came out with a clear plan to kind of press Newcastle and to turn the tables on Newcastle as Newcastle often does to other teams. And it was pretty effective. They got a lot of turnovers in the middle of the pitch. They broke with numbers into space a lot, created a ton of chances, could have been up like two or three if they were had some better finishing, get the goal late before half. But then Newcastle kind of turned the tide in the second half. It was all one-way traffic. Uh, the Magpies dominated the second half. So, uh, you know, I didn't think like, the market took a lot of Newcastle money. When we did the show, they were like minus 135. They ended up closing minus 170. 
if you just change home field, this would have put you right around minus 145. So th this, this number is not quite giving enough respect to Newcastle based off of just purely the close last week. If you, if you wanted to just do that and say that the closing line is efficient, then it's probably too low. Uh, that being said, I did think the closing line was too high two weeks ago on Newcastle when it did get up there uh, at minus one flat. Um, so from this matchup, you know, there are some, you know, fatigue concerns for Newcastle after what was a very, very physical match on Saturday. They basically went to war with Arsenal for 90 minutes. Uh, Dortmund didn't even show up on Saturday, so they should be well rested. Um, so, <laughs> you know, I, I don't, I don't really... I don't really have a strong opinion here, but I would if if you made me bet it, I would take Newcastle. Yeah, I'm with you too. I think almost it's it's pretty simple here. Is that we we believe Newcastle to be one of the best teams in all Europe, and uh, even on the road here in a in a tough environment, probably deserve to be a favorite. Um, I guess a Dortmund team, like you said, like they just got a they just had a litmus test this weekend, <laughs> and they uh, they failed it after obviously passing with with flying colors against Newcastle and that that litmus test. So I'm a slight like buy low situation with maybe people uh, like Anthony, a little trepidatious uh, about betting Newcastle after what they saw against Dortmund and the, if you want to call it the first leg uh, of these little two, two match series. So I, I do think that there's some, some value on, on Newcastle uh, and I'll be on them, BJ. I agree. I'll be on Newcastle too. So what I found interesting from the Bayern match is that of how Bayern essentially created all their chances and scored all their goals. So Obviously, things kicked off with a set-piece goal. Well, if you're going to face Newcastle, they've been a top-five team in terms of set in terms of XG created off set-piece over the last year and a half in the Premier League. And then, essentially, once Bayern went ahead, just everything came in transition. It just happened over and over and over again. And that's just what it comes down to, is that game state's going to be very, very dependent here. It's easy to press high and try to disrupt build-up play when it's a 0-0 game state. It's a lot harder to do when you're obviously in the lead. And that's essentially what happened with Dortmund in that, in that uh, first match in Newcastle is when they got the goal, they just kind of sat off and they just said, okay, we've got our goal and we're going to try to defend deep here and keep Newcastle out. And guess what they did? You know, they kept them, they kept them out. But especially at the end, there was, I know there's not a lot, of, there wasn't a lot of, you know, high quality chances. The XG won't bear it out, but there were, a lot of late flurry chances for Newcastle that very well could have just bounced one way and gone to create a high quality chance. So I still think the matchup's not great for Dortmund. Now there's obviously some, you know, personnel issues here for Newcastle. Botman's out. It looks like Dan Burns going to miss this match as well. Obviously no Ishak. So it's kind of a tough situation for Newcastle. But again, if you know, Dortmund can come out and press them right away, and but I think Newcastle will be ready for it this time. I'm guessing they weren't ready for it. And the other thing that Newcastle is doing that I find interesting is that uh, they're not pressing in the usual 4-3-3 anymore. It's now a 4-5-1, so they're trying to win the ball more as a mid-block. You kind of saw it against Wolves and against Manchester United where they're not just like all out relentlessly pressing high. They're kind of trying to win the ball in the midway line. Um, I think they're realizing that with the strain of the Champions League and the Premier League, that they can't just all out press and be that physical, you know, playing three matches in a week. So I think they're sitting off a little bit more. I think that will give them a better opportunity here. And plus, this is a Dortmund. So I have a high, you know, maybe I'm wrong, but I find it hard to believe that Dortmund's just going to hand Newcastle the ball again and say, hey, here you go. You can have the ball for all 90 minutes and we'll just sit deep and try to defend or try to press you out of possession. So 
Um, if Dortmund is the one controlling line of possession, that obviously gives Newcastle a better advantage here. I projected a little bit of value on Newcastle because honestly with Dortmund, you know, they're about a plus, they're a little under a plus a half expected goal per 90 in the Bundesliga this season. That's with playing a pretty weak schedule up, upcoming towards the match against Bayern. Well, Newcastle's still over a one XG differential per 90 minutes. So from a projection standpoint, obviously the Premier League being a more difficult league than the Bundesliga, it's a pretty significant uh, gap here for um, in terms of where you would project Newcastle comparatively to Dortmund. So did project a little bit of value on Newcastle. So I like them drawing a bet at minus 105. Okay. Uh, yeah, from there, the, the slate gets a, a whole lot swampier. Uh, so to speak. So we might breeze through a few of these. Uh, Shakhtar is a 9-1 to underdog at home hosting Barcelona. Uh, Barca coming as a minus 400 favorite, and the draw is plus 550. The The Newcastle-Dortmund uh, match is, is at 1245 as the headliner on uh, on Tuesday, and, and this is the other one. I, and there are a lot of Barca fans in, out there, a lot, a lot of huge Barca fans who would just watch Barcelona play whenever they're on. But I think that the neutral fans are probably going to gravitate towards uh, Dortmund and uh, Newcastle here in this 12.45 time slot. So let's quickly talk here. Can you find anything actionable in this match, BJ? Um, If you were to play a side in this match, I would play Shakhtar plus one and a half. Um, I am not going to because the last match between these two, a lot of Barca's key players were rested or were injured. So... You're going to see Lewandowski, you're going to see De Jong, you're going to see Pedri. Um, and, you know, Shakhtar, they got they got blitzed early in this match. Barca created a couple of big scoring chances right off the bat. And then Shakhtar kind of settled into the match. They started playing a little bit better. One thing to look out for Shakhtar, they do have a new manager, uh, assistant from Feyenoord. It was his first match in charge against Barcelona. So very odd, weird situation going on there, you know. We played the under three and a half, and that one's just too much here um, for the reverse leg. Uh, in yeah. I believe we'll be playing in Hamburg, not in Hamburg. Ukraine. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So, um, no, it's just a, if you were to play somebody, I actually am showing a little bit of value on Shakhtar. Um, but if Barca is going to play a full strength lineup, given the fact that they had a good first leg in Shakhtar in terms of, you know, the credit over two expected goals. So, um, this could be one-way traffic, so I'm just going to yeah. sit it out. Yeah. I you still think the there's some too. questions about the Barca transition defense. Uh, that was on display against Sociedad on Saturday. I did not think they played well in that match. Kind of stole it late, but there are some real questions about that. I think that's something to watch going forward as they play better teams. Shakhtar was able to get one on the break at Barca, but... Yeah, the only yeah, team to scored them at Champions League so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think, and, and like the the table kind of comes into play here where I think that Shakhtar knows their path to uh, advancing would probably be just don't get blown out here. Uh, then pull the upset against Porto and, and beat Antwerp. Just be, so yeah, just beat, it, maybe just beat it's, Antwerp. That's yeah, all you do. Get to the Europa League. Yeah, get, yeah. So maybe just try to keep it respectable and, and just park the bus from... Yeah. Uh, the opening kick is is a, the way you can kind of game theory and under play or, or Shakhtar plus one and a half. Uh, all right, I am underselling uh, the next match. I guess like the the slate isn't that bad. The group of death is giving us some some fun here. Uh, so we'll look at Milan as a plus two ten uh, underdog at home against PSG plus one twenty, and the draw is plus two sixty for this one. Group F, this is the situation. PSG on the top at six. Dortmund and Newcastle are tied at four points apiece, right behind them, and then it's Milan at the foot with two points. So you could call this. Uh, a little bit it is a must-win game for Milan at home against PSG here I would say 
Um, I kind of lean towards, I want to bet PSG. Mm-hmm. I just think that they're the better team. They're in better form. M- Milan doesn't score. I know they, 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 tech, they should be defending well with the way that they set up. And, and the, this game should be kind of sl- 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 slow and lumbering. But PSG scores too. I think it's over, Anthony. Well, the first leg was terrible from a watch mm-hmm. perspective. Yeah. Uh, it was nothing happened. You know, PSG had the ball. Then they had the ball. Milan just let them have the ball. And then eventually PSG was able to pass it to Mbappe, who rinsed a defender and scored, and it was 1-0. Dembele then rinsed a defender and scored, and it was 2-0. And then they got a third goal in transition and stoppage time, as is the tradition of the season, uh, because I had the <laughs> under 2.5. Now, the under 2.5 has not moved a ton, right? It was plus 114 uh, when I bet it in the first leg in Paris. Now we're in Milan two weeks later. There's not really anything that's changed with the two teams. I think the biggest notable takeaway was Hakimi against Liao. As good as Liao is, having somebody who can match him athletically was a huge key for PSG defensively when there were rare times when Milan looked like they might create something. Milan has to turn it up, though. Like you said, they haven't scored yet. This is the group of death. They've played three matches, one against a bad Dortmund defense, and they, they didn't score, and, and they didn't really look like scoring against PSG. Total expected goals was was 1.6 last week. So They had that one but, game but, against Newcastle, the opener, where they should have scored four. Mm-hmm. Yep, and they scored zero. Yep, and <laughs> they're still they're they're kind of tweaking now, right? They're switching out formations uh, yep. over the weekend. Uh, they were really bad against Udinese at home. Okafor came on in the second half. They didn't get any better. Like Jovic, and they benched Pulisic. Like it, they're, they're, Pioli has recognized the issue here. They're not getting enough shots, and Giroud has not been great. I just don't really know that they have a fix for it. So there's still a plus 108 out there on under two and a half. I think I'm going to bet it again. First half mm-hmm. under one, two, maybe split it. This comes out slow because I really think PSG can strangle control. And Milan's just not built to press. If you can't press PSG and you let them have the ball, it's tough. And that's what they tried to do in the first leg. They went man-to-man with PSG in that first leg. And that's uh, a really, really dangerous game to play against Mbappe and Dembele. And you saw what happened. They got cooked which was a very weird strategy. You thought Pioli might just sit back and play very deep, but no, he was trying to come out and put pressure on them. And he can't do that here in the second leg. So he doesn't really have many options. So he's either going to have to sit deep and try to play in transition, or he's just going to have to try to all out blitz again and just hope for the best. And they obviously don't have the personnel to do it. I think Dale Hernandez is still out as well. So that obviously hurts AC Milan's ability to get up that left wing. So now... I yeah I I don't know what they do. It's a it's a very weird uh, conundrum that they're in, and I'm not sure that they have a a fix for it right now. Yeah, so I I do think yeah, as a road favorite, I'm I'm, I'm interested in PSG here. I'm sorry, Dale Hernandez. It looks like he is back. My bad on that one. Um, but still. Okay. Uh, now time to talk about our the team of the podcast, Anthony's boys, mm-hmm. uh, Los Colchoneros, the mattress makers, coming off of a, a very unlucky defeat. To uh, uh, shout out to uh, Country Lawyer, uh, a listener of the pod who has just been riding the Las Palmas train mm-hmm. <laughs> in La Liga this season. The best. Love seeing that. Just absolutely love, love seeing I it. I love that. Um, a nice, a nice Friday afternoon win. Uh, oh yeah, for one of our listeners, that that, that was great to see. Uh, the a, fact that I weekend. didn't fade Atleti in that spot means that I've fully lost my fastball. I sent this to Avery, I sent this to Avery uh, Zimmerman, our soccer editor, and BJ. I've, I've just lost my fastball to not have money on Palmas on Friday. 
Uh, yeah, we had that told us they would have lost three 0 We could have told you that during uh, the, the tennis U.S. Open. Watching you, <laughs> watching you handicap that. Uh, the Atleti, uh, the Atleti train keeps rolling despite the loss. Uh, they are minus three thirty four favorites, hosting Celtic, uh, who are coming in at nine to one. Uh, the draw is plus four fifty. I love Diego Simeone, uh, but you will not find me laying this kind of number. I'd actually be a little tempted by oh, Celtic here, uh, yeah. BJ. You know, Atleti didn't really create much outside of the penalty and the follow-up. You know, the second goal from Murata was a big scoring chance. But outside of that, they had one or two chances with an XG rating over 0.1. Uh, I thought Brennan Rodgers had a, a good game plan. Um, you know, they, they obviously scored on in the, uh, in the fourth minute to put themselves ahead. Uh, but then I thought he just kind of does what they do. Uh, it's an interesting matchup from a price perspective. You know, Atleti closed at about even money uh, against Celtic in that first leg. So if you were to just flip home field, uh, there is a little bit of value on Celtic here. Like that, you can't tell me that uh, home field is going to be worth essentially 150 points in the Champions League is what we're talking about right now, or 120, whatever it is right now. Uh, so yeah, I did project a little bit of value on Celtic. Um, you know, they, they press well out of possession. Atleti's trying to be more a possession-dominant side right now with this new style that Simeone's playing. So Celtic could cause some problems here on the road. I mean, this is the Build Your Courage Play of the Week Part 2. Last yep. last time was I got to find the courage to get to Celtic plus a half at home, and I think that there's certainly an interesting underdog, uh, probably my favorite like Tuesday underdog on the board if you wanted to find one. But yeah, probably going to end up passing here, take my money from last, last time and run. And run right to Lazio and Feyenoord. That's where cool. you're running to. My uh, actual team. Yeah. They're going to win the group, potentially. We'll see. Uh, Lazio's plus 155, so a very slight home favorite here. We the Nord, plus 170. Uh, and the draw is uh, plus 240 for this match. Obviously, these odds and all the other odds that been citing are from our friends at uh, Bet365. Yeah, so uh, this group, it's, it's, is it the most, uh, it's up there with the most interesting, like the way it's, it's situated, I think. Feyenoord at the top uh, on six points. Our boys at Letty uh, on five. And then there's Lazio at four. And, and Celtic, they're still not done either. They're in a must-win spot. Uh, at the uh, Wanda Metropolitano on one point. I think that if you listen to our preview pod uh, and you saw that this was the two-step match, the, the same two teams playing each other back-to-back, you could have probably surmised that Anthony uh, would be leading the charge here on back-to-back bets on on the Dutch. Well, I will say the market has taken notice. Mm-hmm. Okay, the Nord put people on notice, and there has been attention paid. There's finally respect for the Nord. You know, we closed plus one at Letty. We closed minus one ten at home against Lazio. Beat the brakes off them. I know what the final XG said. Like final XG said that Lazio was about even with Feyenoord, but if you go through how that game played. It was Feyenoord beat the shit out of them for 65 minutes, and then Lazio created all of their chances once they were down two, three goals uh, and got a consolation goal that didn't really mean anything. Um, Now the market has corrected because if you just flipped home field from the minus 110 close two weeks ago in in Rotterdam, then Lazio would be a home favorite here. They are not. They are now a pick So the market has downgraded Lazio and upgraded Feyenoord. I still don't know that it's gone far enough. I think Feyenoord is a clearly better team. So if you were to bet this, it would be it would be Feyenoord or nothing again. I mean, we, we've talked about this team time and time again. What they did to Lazio 
wasn't rocket science. I mean, Lazio plays in Serie A where nobody presses anymore, and they were completely overwhelmed by Feyenoord in the midfield, and they were not able to keep possession and recycle the ball. Luis Alberto is used to a lot of time on the ball in Serie A because he doesn't get pressed. He had no time to do much of anything. Uh, Immobile is fit, it looks like. Castellanos has been playing really well for them. You know, that's encouraging. But again, like Lazio this week at Bologna, totally flat, poor against Fiorentina. Like there's nothing in this team that suggests they're any good. So I I would ride with the Nord, boys, one more time. We the Nord. Actually, I shouldn't say one more time because there's going to be multiple more times if if, if things go as I think. I know you have a date circle Uh, in 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 Rotterdam. In the with, uh, match, with a certain right? team from Spain, with a certain team from Spain coming to town. My 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 market Big senses mistake. are telling me that we are going to be a home underdog in that match. <laughs> and I haven't right seen so, it yet. So, but um, two weeks from now, or three weeks from now, you can pencil that in. I mean, we're going to be a home underdog to Atletico Madrid. It's going to be really fun. Yeah, um, I agree. I mean, what's you have a lot of times when we have these back-to-back matches, you have to ask yourself, okay, what's going to change this time around for me to essentially bet the other side or for the other side to have a uh, some success? We know what sorry ball is. It's not transitional over the top ball. It is put the ball on the floor and let's try to work our way around presses, try to bait the press in and try to play through that. And like Anthony mentioned, nobody presses in Serie A anymore, at least to the intensity that Feyenoord comes with. I mean, slop... Uh, Arnie Slot's press is just all out in your face all the time. And Lazio was not ready for it. And I don't think they're going to be ready for it again. Um, you know, Feyenoord did have a little slip up in the area to Vise. They lost to 20, uh, who's having a meteoric rise this season. But they came back uh, and put 4XG on the weekend. So, um, so they're back. They're fine. They're obviously so much better with Jimenez in there. Like, he was just, he was awesome against Lazio. So, uh, yeah. I don't think the market, I agree with Anthony, I don't think the market's gone far enough here. I think uh, Feyenoord should be a road favorite against Lazio. The, the thing about Feyenoord, if you have quality passers in your midfield that can play through a press, this defense can get exposed very fast. And we've seen that. But, and even Roma, like last year in the Europa League, did that to them to a lesser extent. But if your plan is just play route one football, which is what I think Lazio is going to have to do, it's just not going to be effective not, against this team. That's not how they're built. Like that's just not. They're not. That's yeah. not their game. Lazio's sorry ball is keep the possession yep. long, drawn out sequences, and they're mm-hmm. just not that comfortable. To, I mean, like a mobile leg is going to run the channels. <laughs> I don't think so. So uh, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm 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 loving the Nord here. All right, that's three of us on uh, Fire Nord uh, on the road. I want to see where this goes to this line. Uh, could could we see more? Uh, some late steam on, on Feyenoord and it feels like everybody hates Lazio. So I wouldn't be surprised. The last three games on Tuesday are, are tough. So we'll let's breeze through them pretty quickly together. Uh, Red star is hosting Leipzig red star plus four fifty at home. Leipzig minus one eighty eight. The draw is plus three fifty. Then Porto uh, minus two seventy five against Antwerp at plus seven fifty on the road. And the draw is four to one there city man city, baby who could have seen this one coming. They're uh, starting to score goals. Uh, minus fourteen hundred you. against young boys uh, who are twenty-five to one. Not even close. Twenty-five to one. Uh, on the, on yeah, the give me fifty, and then, <laughs> we'll, and then we'll have a conversation. I, I mean, uh, I mean, Red Star, I mean, young boys or Belgrade? Who's better? Belgrade. I mean, Belgrade was a home favorite against them. Like it's, and they closed at four. Are they closed at around forty? What? I guess it wasn't closed, but they opened around forty to one 
Red Star did. So now we're only 25 on Young Boys. I mean, come on. What are we doing here? I mean, I mean the got, only team of the three in Switzerland. The only, the only, the only match of those two that I would even consider is, uh, you know, watch the status of Holland. Right, he comes off. Uh, you know, it wasn't quite right in the win yeah, against Bournemouth. I, picked up a knock. Uh, you know, I can't it, see him playing. I mean, right. these guys do funky, funky stuff, but he's he shouldn't be playing. Yeah, I don't think they need him to beat the young boys, um, who gave up four expected goals in the last meeting. But yeah, they got uh, I'm intrigued by Belgrade. I'm intrigued by Belgrade. Finally, I, I finally. thought Leipzig's performance. Thought Leipzig's performance at the weekend was shocking. I watched every minute of that match. Uh, it was the uh, the underperformer minds, you know, a team that's had the worst luck versus the luckiest team in Germany in Leipzig, and like so many of their attacks broke down before the penalty box. It wasn't like they were constantly putting pressure on the on the Mainz penalty area. It was everything was breaking down before. Now the midfield is worse here, so I do think Belgrade's going to be up against it. Their defensive numbers have not held up in this group whatsoever, but. Uh, this Leipzig team is vulnerable. So if you wanted to get crazy, you know, you could look at like a first half team total. Uh, I wouldn't hate a first half team total under on Leipzig, like something something more derivative as opposed to just taking the plus one, uh, you know, team to score first, Red Star Belgrade, something of that nature, I think is the best way to play this because I, I just don't Cash think Leipzig City. is the best. Uh, that? What about you, BJ? Yeah, I'll, I'll mention that um, Cash City, the Red Star score first. Yeah. I'll mention uh, Porto and Antwerp. Uh, you know, the Porto won this match 3-1, but there was only two expected goals created in the first one. And really what happened is was Antwerp, you know, when they're playing in Belgium, they are built out of the back team, a very possession-dominant team, and they kept trying to do that. And Porto just played a mid-block, and they just kept turning them over. Uh, so I think the second leg around here, you'll see them play more Route 1 football. Uh Antwerp actually a very good defense in Belgium this season. They've had some bad penalty luck. They've already conceded five penalties domestically, but only allowing 0.84 non-penalty per 90 um, in Belgium. And obviously Porto's defensive numbers in Portugal are fantastic. Uh, and really, the first two goals of this match came off deflections. So that obviously, um, you know, is, is a low-quality chance. And with Antwerp scoring first, it obviously the game state it changes the perspective of it because Porto had to be more aggressive and come out and press. Whereas if Porto were scored first, they could have just sat back and just saw this match out one, nothing and Antwerp wouldn't even sniff their goal. So uh, under two and a half is at plus plus one fifteen. I believe the first leg closed around minus minus one ten. So I think you're just getting a little bit of inflated price on what happened in that first leg, even though again, not a lot of high quality of chances were created from an expected goal standpoint. On to, on to Wednesday now. Uh, Wednesday is, I think, this great. Going to be quite fun. Uh, and the party gets started at twelve forty-five uh, p.m. and we'll go uh, into the late afternoon. We'll start with Bayern and and Galatasaray. Uh, boy, do we love this team, Bayern. Uh, we don't love this They're team. Good. Ruined ruined the uh, the underdog parlay, which once again hit two out of three. This time we didn't have a crushing come from behind defeat. We just had Bayern. We're we had up a four great, no, what we had was a, a uh, wonderful moment. <laughs> wonderful moment at Sheffield. 99th minute penalty only for Bayern to come out and truck them in the first 10 minutes. Oh, yeah. It sucked. And then obviously Forrest takes care of yeah. on Sunday. In a meaningless Never in win. doubt. Never in doubt. Uh, but Bayern's minus 450 hosting uh, our boys from Istanbul who are 11-1 to here and the draw is six to one. Um, I'm going to be on the the tried and true mm-hmm. uh, money line here from 
the conqueror of Europe. Everybody in this group is playing uh, high event. <laughs> like every match has kind of been bonkers. Bayern's had 14 total goals in their three matches. Uh, obviously, the, the the lion's share scored by them nine nine four, f- but still five against. Uh, Galatasaray six goals for seven against for 13. Man United six goals for seven against for for 13. Uh, and, and Copenhagen, believe it or not, have been the lowest event uh, with eight goals total, three, four, five against in their three matches. And this group is sitting quite nicely for the for the stretch here. Uh, Bayern's at the top of the table, three zero and zero and nine points. Then uh, Galatasaray at uh, four points, just ahead of United, who are on three. And then uh, Copenhagen is still very much alive on one point. But I think what we've learned from this about this Galatasaray team is just their game like they they have a lot of guys who are just past their salad days for in terms of like a long grueling Premier League Bundesliga plus Champions League season like this team probably doesn't hold up but in their situation like these guys can beat anybody on their night they they're almost like a one of those like barnstorming testimonial teams like world all-stars coming to yeah, Harlem Globetrotters uh, coming, coming. They come into town. They you play them right before the season starts. It's a testimonial match or something, and it's and it's it sounds tongue in cheek, but it's true. Like these guys, they're good enough. They're just flat out good enough to to give anybody a game. And I think eleven to one is is so much fun. This is I think as good an eleven to one underdog as you're gonna find all year in the Champions League, uh, maybe in soccer generally. Like, it's, it's, uh, this team is way too good to be this high. I mean, I mean, think about this. We, we were just talking, you know, Luton Town, heartbreak, if you had their money line. I know oh. BJ took some. Like, would you rather bet Luton Town at 12 to 1 or Galatasaray? Both. Yeah, right. It, it, <laughs> well, the answer is both, of course. But, yeah, I, I like Gala first half money line, 7 to 1 more than the full game. Because I think there was evidence that they ran out of gas in the 70th-ish minute, 75th minute. And then as space has opened up and Byron goes to their their reserves, and like they're still just as good. And then Galatasaray went to the bench and it wasn't as good. Byron took control a little bit, but like, let's not sugarcoat what happened in the first leg. And, and I tweeted at halftime of, of what a joke that line was. And that was one of the worst lines you'll see all year. And look, that doesn't mean it's going to win. But Galatasaray catching a goal and a half at home in that match was ridiculous. And if you go through the expected goals, the shot chances, uh, Galatasaray finished the game with 2.7 expected goals. Uh, Acardi could have scored three in the first half. The first half uh, was a complete one-way traffic for, for Gala. Total shots, 16 to three. 16 to three in the first half of the game. It's, yeah. it's unbelievable. Uh, but then again, you know, Bayern takes the last nine of, of the match. So... Uh, and then, of course, Gallus scores a consolation goal, gets called off for VAR. Um, when you think about how this match works, right? Like Bayern, it's going to be very open, back and forth. And we just saw them play Dortmund and beat the shit out of Dortmund, and they're certainly capable of doing that. But based on what we saw in the first leg and what we saw against Copenhagen, like this success in Germany has not translated to the Champions League yet. And they cost me money this weekend. I will not deny it. Hand up. Bad bet. But I'm I'm back, baby. I'm back, and they have not broken my spirit at all. I have a vengeance against this team, and I will be taking Galatasaray plus two and first half money line. Byron cannot keep getting away with this. Yeah, I'll take it one step further. For the first hour 
of the match, the shots were 19 to 5. And of those 19 shots, 13 of them came inside the penalty area. So it wasn't like just Galatasaray was just taking shots from nowhere. It was everything was inside the box, high-quality chances, three of them inside the six-yard box. But of course, the only goal they can score is from a penalty. Now, what I found very interesting from a tactical perspective of what Galatasaray was able to do successfully and what they can repeat in Munich is... You know, Bayern is obviously a possession dominant side. So they are not used to having, you know, playing out of possession for large stretches, which is what happened in the match against Turkey. Now, that's not saying it's going to happen here, but what they kept doing is they were just playing so incredibly wide because Bayern was very, very narrow. They were like, we're not playing through the middle of the pitch. And once we win the ball, obviously, what, what does Bayern want to do? They want to play right through the middle, route one, and, and score their chances in transition that way. That's what they did Dortmund this weekend. Galatasaray was trying to get 2v1s out wide. And then once they got the ball out wide and they started to stretch Bayern out and force them out of this narrow mid-block, they were just switching the play to the other side of the field. And then the fullbacks were just had acres of space to create a chance via cross. So again, you have to ask yourself, is this repeatable in Munich? Well, they're going to need a lot of the ball to be able to do that. So that's the where things can go wrong. If Bayern controls a lot of possession, then yeah, of course. But Bayern also turned the ball over high quite a few times against Galatasaray. Their, their counter-press was working very, very well in Turkey. So, yeah, I mean, they won the expected goals battle. They outshot Byron. They outplayed him for the first hour, and then they tired out. You're not – I agree, Michael. You're not going to find a better 11-1 to underdog. So I like Galatasaray plus two. Um, even just from a market perspective, it, I believe – correct me if I'm wrong, Anthony, but Byron closed at minus 1.25 on the road uh, in that first yep. leg, or I don't know. Yeah, mm-hmm. so – and yep. based on my projections – uh, home field advantage is worth about 0.35 goals uh, in the Champions League, maybe a little bit more than that. Uh, so if you are just taking purely what happened from that, you know, that line of 1.25 and you add it on, I mean, you're getting around 1.6, 1.7, 1.8, somewhere in there. There's value in Galatasaray, even if that first leg went essentially according to plan from underlying metrics and it didn't, they beat them. So they should get a being getting a bump in the market here and they're not. So uh, Galatasaray plus two for me love this team mm-hmm. oh yeah God. and, and, I mean, I, I, and, and it's funny because look they might not advance but four to one was the worst price in the whole group in the whole champions league this year to advance yeah. it was ridiculous and i'm gonna mention something when we get to they, uh, the next match in this group and we, because there might be a better price on another team to advance out of this group that's looking kind of tasty right now yeah oh man <laughs> jesus um <laughs> We do. We get like because because we do have uh, we do to lead towards betting underdogs, and that means we bet bad teams all the time. And we, we it's almost like we ch- we're trying to convince ourselves to do it because it does take some kind of gumption to bet teams like Sheffield United and uh, even you know I know they won this week, but like it oh week in and week out. But this team just deserves it. Like they're they're easy. This is an easy one to bet on. Like they're they're no. It's a lot of fun to hit your wagon to this team. So yeah, they were better. I uh, get on board. Get on board, with Galatasaray. Yeah, yeah um, they they completely right. took me out of the game in the first leg. That was what I noticed. Yeah, like, and, and they've been impressive in every the ball. Like that that draw the draw against Copenhagen was funky, but over first the course of their. Over the over the course of the Champions League, have you? I've grown more and more confident in in their ability in this tournament. So, as as rabble rousers up up the up the conqueror of Europe, uh, another big underdog that we like is Braga mm-hmm. traveling to the Santiago Bernabeu to take on Madrid. Uh, 
basically the same odds as uh, Galatasaray and Bayern. Uh, Madrid sitting minus 450, Braga 11-1, and the draw is plus 550. Real Madrid has this habit, and I know that this version of Real Madrid has nothing to do with the one four years ago, but it is pretty funny that they just have this habit of losing one stunner basically every Champions League and then winning the Champions League or going to the final. Um, and this one just smells like it's going to be the one at home, kind of a dangerous, sleepy spot for them. Uh, when you consider the table, they're perfect right now, doing what Bayern does, three wins, six goals scored, three against, clear of the table. Braga can make it interesting with a win. It's Real Madrid on nine, Napoli on six, Braga on three, and Union at, at, uh, on the, at the foot with zero. Uh, so it's just like going according to plan. And then all of a sudden something just funky will happen with Madrid. Uh, and this feels like it. And and I know that this doesn't sound like a great handicapping angle, but uh, you two are going to back it up with numbers, BJ. Yeah. So the big talking point is Jude Bellingham might not play in this match. He has a shoulder injury. Ancelotti says he hopes he'll play on Wednesday. Um, that's pretty massive to what we've seen from Real Madrid so far. Just don't play him. <laughs> yeah. Please don't uh, play him. Exactly. So, you know, the first match, I'll say this about Braga. They are a team that's good with time and space on the ball. And I think you saw that with how passive Real Madrid can be out of possession. I thought they created a lot of good chances that way. Um, but <laughs> one thing's got to change for Braga, and I'm I'm guessing it was because of the game state, because they fell behind in the first 15 minutes. You know, Vinicius cooked the uh, the right back for Braga. Like, that just, that just happens when you're betting these type of underdogs. But... They were playing a really high line against Real Madrid, which is very, very dangerous thing to do against Rodrigo and Vinicius. And they they got a couple offsides off of it, but it's it, it was incredibly risky. And I mean, they're obviously doing that because they wanted to get back into the game. They wanted to apply pressure on Real Madrid when they had them in the, their own final third. Now, now that we're going to the Bernabeu, I think you'll see a different game plan from Braga, one that's more low blocky, not as aggressive, you know, obviously depending on game state or what happens. But... Listen, they won the expected goals battle in this first leg in Braga. It was 1.5 to 0.9. Essentially, you know, uh, the first cross that goes in, uh, you know, is the one big, essentially big chance that Real Madrid's, you know, creates. And then outside of that, it was just kind of a bunch of shots from from distance. You know, Bellingham scores from, you know, right on the edge of the 18-yard box. It's just what he does. But if he doesn't play, and Chumeni is also out either, uh, Chumeni is also out for Real Madrid, say uh not an ideal scenario because now you have to ask the question of what does real madrid do because now they've switched their formation to this 4-3-1-2 with bellingham as a box invading striker so now it's going to be joselu up top and it's going to be your traditional 4-3-3 which if you're going to play a 4-4-2 low block which is what braga can play you're asking you're asking a lot of questions from this real madrid attack so uh braga plus two at minus 130 uh right now uh, Bellingham doesn't play. I don't see how Braga doesn't close at plus one and a half here. I think he's worth that much uh, to this. So uh, Braga of this, and they will be, I forgot to mention this with um, with Galatasaray, but we're, Michael, we're, we're just going to do a nice little underdog parlay. We don't have to each do one this week, but I, I'll, at least I'll be doing it. It's going to include Galatasaray, Braga, and then one more team we're going to talk about. And maybe I'll make a graphic for it and tweet it out. <laughs> Who knows? But uh, it's uh, it's going to yeah. pay probably our biggest price ever. Oh, man. Uh, I know right, you are. Anthony, uh, I think real quick, on... you know, BJ mentioned it, and I agree. Real Madrid's lack of a press made it very easy for Braga. 
to play their way into the game. And I think that's the key here. Real Madrid right now, with the way that they're playing, defensively leaky, is making them a more vulnerable favorite than normal. And they win every game in the last minute. Uh, today, it was hilarious in stoppage time. The ref was just saying, no, no, we're just going to keep playing until Madrid goes up 1-0. <laughs> and then eventually, he was like, well, we're already like three minutes past the allotted time, so I got to call the game now. But it was insane. I mean, they were giving him every chance to score. Uh, Vinicius Jr. has taken a step back. If you look at his production numbers this year, they're down. And I know there's some, there's been some off the field stuff with him and, and, uh, the people of Spain have been, have been rather racist toward him. And, and so, you know, there's a lot of stuff going off, going on off the field, uh, that's, that's impacting Vinicius, but his numbers are like way down. There was also an injury, uh, you know, his shot quality has fallen off this season. So I'm a little bit concerned about, uh, what happens when Bellingham stops scoring every match, which will happen mm-hmm. at some point. Um, that being said, agree, Braga. Real Madrid has conceded in the last six matches, 1.6, 1.9, 0.5, 1.5, 1.5, expected goals against, you know, some decent competition. Barca, Sevilla, Braga, Napoli, Girona, Osasuna. But every decent team they've played this season from Vigo to Sociedad to Atleti, has created well over one expected goal. And it's very hard, very, very hard to cover two when you're, laying, when you're, when you're giving up that much possession, that much quality, and you're not pressing and, and just smushing teams. So, yeah, Braga for me. Yeah, Bruma, Bruma also didn't start in this, this last match against Real Madrid. He's obviously their most important, impactful attacking player. So I'd like to see him start and have more of an impact. And... Uh, along the wings but uh yeah one thing also about Braga and I'll mention is just that um you know Arsenal's now a ball circulation team that's what that's what Braga does in the Portuguese league they just circulate the ball around the the 18 yard box and look for chances that way so if you're playing a team that's passive like Real Madrid that style can work uh another La Liga team now uh Sociedad is minus 110 at home hosting Benfica who are plus 300 and the draw here is plus 260 I think it's Pretty fair to put uh, Benfica on corpse watch, which is a <laughs> term I'll borrow from our colleague Stucky from the BBOC podcast when it comes to college football and teams that are just kind of playing out their schedule. Um, and that, I think, kind of matters here, with especially with the way Sociedad's been playing. They've allowed one goal so far in the Champions League. They've looked terrific, and they're just executing their game plan, and it's working. Um, and this Benfica team, as we pointed out, just isn't all that good uh, compared to what we saw last year. The, the, it, it does seem the price is a little inflated. Um, obviously, an upgrade and downgrade situation here, but uh, still, uh, Anthony, a little bit of value on uh, the team from the Basque country. Yeah, I'm not totally convinced the market's adjusted right. Uh, you go back and look at the game they played against Barca today, they were... They were very good, Saturday rather. Um, you know, you expect their full lineup here, which is big for them. Like I said on the two weeks ago, like if they they don't attack with a lot of numbers, so who they have available is important. The The match against Benfica at Benfica, they pretty much just smushed them and gave them nothing in terms of quality chances. Uh, Benfica finished the game with 10 shots and 0.48 expected goals. So it was really bad at home. Now they go on the road. I've got the better team. I'm at home, and I only have to lay minus 110. I'm going to bet Sociedad again. I bet Benfica against Benfica every match in this in this tournament, and I'm going to make it four 
Uh, might be the last time we get to fade them, though, because they're going to uh, be really, really cheap against uh, Inter in the next match, I think. So that could be an interesting, like, dead cat bounce spot. But this is a fade for me again uh, with Sociedad Moneyline at home. All right, BJ. Let's talk about that ball circulation team uh, from North <laughs> London now. Arsenal's minus 334, hosting uh, Sevilla 9-1, to and the uh, draw is plus 450. What do you got for us? Well, you know, Michael, I try to be a nil, good fan. Is it nil-nil? It's not a goal. Don't ask me why. I, it's not a goal. Nil-nil? Not a goal. I, it's, I don't really care. I, to be on, I'll be honest. we got to create better chances. Michael Arteta needs to shut up, okay? Because we have to create more than one expected goal for you to complain about that decision going against us. Yeah. I watched it back, and I was like, yeah, maybe it was a push. Like, maybe whatever. But, like, we got to create more chances. Like, we can't just – like, I get it. If we created, like, 2XG and the ball just didn't go in and that was one fluke thing that they had, like, that's great. But, like, it was a, a very back-and-forth match. And for him to just complain like that, like, dude, play the ball through the middle of the pitch. Like, for the love of God, like, we cannot do anything through the middle. We're just circulating the ball back and forth to nothing. Oh, I try to come on this podcast, and I try – to give the positive spin, I try to be the fan that says, no, 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 everything's fine. Everything's fine. It's okay. It's okay. But I can't come out here and do that anymore. It's just, it's terrible. It sucks. I can't lay it minus four and a half against Sevilla. We got the win against them. I won my, I won my Super Bowl in Spain. I'm not laying minus one and a half here. It just sucks. Like we just, uh, we I'm can't... not kidding when I say it, it, I think this is a decent zero yeah. zero bet. But they're so, but Sevilla is so bad defensively. It's really, really bad. I mean, they yeah, really they got the lost. shit kicked out. I know, but they, they, they got dropped by Vigo. It was good. They got luck boxed into a red card and, and ended up drawing. But it's yeah. sixteen to one, nil nil. That's actually not bad. Um, BJ, what's worse, Arsenal offense or or, or Iowa offense? You know, uh, here's what I'll say about that. I know what to expect from the Iowa offense, and that's no offensive touchdowns. I've already accepted that, and that's just a reality of my life. Um, I did not expect this from Arsenal. So it's more painful to watch from Arsenal at this its juncture. And it only happens against good defensive teams. Like They have been good against bad teams. They have been able to get margin against them. But, my God, just... Like, I... I I saw the graphic that in terms of chances created by location on the pitch, Arsenal's dead last in the Premier League through the central part of the pitch. Like, that is incredibly embarrassing. Like, you have to be able to play through the center of the pitch if you're going to be a title challenger, quite frankly, because that's where the goals are. The biggest difference between this week and two weeks ago is that Gabriel Jesus will not be suiting up for the Gunners, and he did the two goals. So, you know, and and, and by the way, his pass through the center of the pitch sent Martinelli in behind. So yep. I'm close on Sevilla. That's the problem. And go, yeah, I tweeted out, go look at the pass map from Arsenal Newcastle. It's just like, it's the quintessential poster of ball circulation. It's just passes back and forth outside the 18 yard box. That's it. So I'm just, I'm frustrated because our manager is focusing too much on one decision when the reality is he sees there's too much game control. And he's not taking very many chances. And that is annoying to me as someone who likes to take a lot of chances. Uh, all right. Let's uh, cruise through a couple of these ones uh, before. I want to close with, with what I think is going to be our, our favorite match, maybe to bet uh, on yeah. Wednesday. So let's cruise through some of the other ones. Um, Salzburg are plus 450 hosting Inter. Inter is minus 163. The draw is 3-1. to one. 
Anthony, we I think that the Salzburg team still profiles decently as uh, an underdog, especially at home. But that lone win looks a lot worse now uh, with the way that Benfica is playing. So I don't think that this number is big yeah, enough. They were on largely Salzburg. uncompetitive against Inter. Um, yeah. They weren't competitive against Sociedad. Like I said, they got the nice win at Benfica, but they have not played well in this group. And like this just looks like a worse version of Sociedad or of Salzburg. We said before the, the group, like, we'll find out how good are these young guys. And they're okay. They're not a bad team, but they're they're not uh, anywhere where I would look to back them here in this spot. Inter could rotate a little. That's one thing I'm a little, you know, be wary of that because they have rested Taram in their last road match in the Champions League. When they went to Sociedad, they rested him. So uh, like Alexis Sanchez maybe comes into the team and he's been, yeah. when he's been on the pitch, he's been really good. So yeah. uh, I'm intrigued by it, but yeah, no bet. Uh, BJ, we'll talk right now. PSV and Lens, uh, minus one thirty four for PSV at home. Uh, the French side traveling at plus three fifty, and the draw is uh plus three fifty. Not terribly interesting. Yeah, well, they've uh, taken they've taken so PSV has taken a ton of money. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, it's they a must win spot. I wonder if that's that's factoring in a little yeah, bit, but they. They weren't really that good in the first leg, to be honest. I mean, PSV created half an expected goal. Like, that was it. And then they obviously went ahead and kind of sat back a little bit. Lens got the the equalizer. But, yeah, I don't I don't really see... I, from watching that match, I don't really see anything that gets me to PSV getting to this number now. I mean, I only projected PSV around even money against Lens at home. So, I wouldn't... I'm not going to touch the opposite side because I still am kind of downs on this Lens team. They had a... Very sleepy zero zero draw against Lorient over the weekend. So yeah, I don't the the market movement on this is a little puzzling to me. I'll just say that. Fair enough. Uh all right, our penultimate match, Napoli minus two fifty. You gotta lay it against Un Yan, uh plus seven hundred. And the draw is plus three seventy five. Another easy pass, I think, uh for me. I know BJ, you're looking yeah. at the total. Market yeah. is soured a lot on this Union team. And I'm not yeah, sure they're yeah. that different from last year. They're not. They're not I know they've lost different. 12 in a row, and it's insane to say that. I'm Can't not sure them. they're like their defense is obviously worse, but their attack looks the same to me. This was the same price Real Madrid closed in the first match of the of this tournament. Uh, Napoli without Osimhen probably. Mm-hmm. He's like questionable here. Like that's a little high for me. So I, I'm I'm I, I think I like under more because like there's no real scenario where Union is piling up goals here, but mm-hmm. I, I lean toward them, the dog here. I think they're a little bit intriguing to cover, maybe not win. Yeah. It's hard I mean, to I like buy the, lower than on a team. Buy lower. Yeah. I like the under here. I agree with Anthony. Uh, nothing happened in the first match. It was point, point zero 0.08 or, or 0.8 XG created total in the entire match. I mean, Union just sat deep and dared Napoli to break them down, and they couldn't for large stretches of the match. Again, without Oshman, what, what's going to change in this leg? Obviously, game state matters. If it stays 0-0 for longer, that obviously benefits Union Berlin. But there's an old saying, and, you know, obviously in, in terms of teams overperforming their underlying metrics, it's just you cannot outrun math. And I know a lot of people don't like to hear that. But it's just the truth of what's happened with Union Berlin. It's obviously swung, you know, the obviously the, the extreme the other way. Uh, and I'm not sure 
how their manager still has his job. Quite frankly, at this point, I know he's he's done a lot for them to get them to this point, but a lot uh, of good at some point, yeah. So at some point, uh, things are going to have to change for Union. Maybe we won't see th- the uh, the three five two low block special anymore. But yeah, no, I I do like the under two and a half at plus one hundred four. It hasn't really changed from the first leg and. Nothing happened, so well, I'm guessing nothing's probably going to happen here in the second leg. And just as I say that, it'll probably be a three-two thriller. And that brings us to the finale uh, for mm. this episode, and it's a, a beautiful finale season, season eight of Scrubs level finale for us. Uh, <laughs> Copenhagen plus three twenty hosting Manchester United. Uh, we're odds on on the road, oh um, and the draw is plus two seventy five. Uh, I think this is so such a good. <laughs> Copenhagen <laughs> doesn't mean it's going to win, but you're just you're just catching you're catching this United team. Yeah, they they beat Fulham. How did they do it? I mean, the last the last uh, time they played Copenhagen, they won. How did they do it? Like this is a a team that's like got its back against the wall and just throwing haymaker after haymaker. Like it's just like they're running their so good. I know it's incredible. They're running, They're running unbelievably well. They I mean, are they running got outplayed so by well. Fulham, outplayed by Brentford, outplayed by Copenhagen, and they won all the games. Yeah, it's... four stoppage time goals, or three stoppage time goals, and a stoppage time penalty and a, and save. From penalty save. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, wait a That's... minute, Copenhagen. What you know, I would we just give for a team? In. We're like, to... well, we like them at home. But their defense doesn't really travel. They get smoked usually on the road. That's what usually the story of Copenhagen is. Last year, yeah. City Dortmund in the Champions League group, they outplayed both. Uh, there was a red card in the City game. They outplayed Dortmund at home. Like they were a, a decent side. This year, they've taken their show on the road. They went to Galatasaray. And look, that result where they, they, they played bad in the first half, but played even with Galatasaray and drew them after getting a red card, that result is aging really well. They play Bayern. You know, look, I'm down on Bayern, but like Bayern is still good. And they held them under one expected goal in that match. Then they go to this theater of dreams and outplay United for large stretches of that match. So, you know, maybe you, you bet Copenhagen. Uh, and if you need a, a live hedge, you, you grab some Scotty anytime. <laughs> but I mean, like there, there's Onada, no... Onada to there's save no, a PK. Yeah, Matt, Matt Schwimmer, a friend of the pod, is going to be at the park in, on, on Wednesday. And, and he, he texted me for a bet. And I was like, dude, it's Copenhagen. It's always Copenhagen. Uh, are we buying a little high? Maybe because the market has come down. They were like minus one forty. Now it's like minus one fifteen. But I'm sorry, Th- this could be it for Ten Hag. They they this, this is no, I don't this think is, no, so. This is it. No, I did because they won against Fulham. I think he's uh, fine now. I think if if they would have drawn that have, match against uh, Fulham and then lost this one, then yeah, it would have been over. They got oh, I know who they have coming up next after this Copenhagen no, match. I know. Yeah, they've got Luton and then Everton. Yep. They've got it's, it's and that's the the other thing about this is is they had uh like let's look at their United's last six matches uh, across all competitions, uh Brentford, Sheffield United, Copenhagen got trans trounced by City, then they got trounced by Newcastle. Newcastle's combined scores by six the way. nil. Uh, Newcastle was yeah, and I mean it was you know a changed squad for United too at home and yeah whatever it's a weird weird EFL Cup game and then Fulham so they've. They played basically nobody. I mean, when you look through their schedule in a list, like you'll be like, okay, we remember that Wolves win, got knocked knocked across the face against Tottenham, lucky win against Forest, pants by Arsenal, pants by Brighton, lose to Bayern, beat Burnley, beat Crystal Palace, lose to Palace, lose to Galatasaray. It's just like it, it, this team. It's 
there's no team bad enough in, in any of the competitions that they're going to be playing. Uh, there's just no team bad enough that United should be a, a road favorite. No. it's And I'll tell you what about that first leg. I mean, Copenhagen punched them in the mouth right away. If you remember, they hit the hit the woodwork in the fifth minute of a huge chance. They could have put them up one nothing. And it, what ended up happening in that match is Copenhagen sat in a low block, which they were effective with against Bayern and effective again with United because United has nobody could to connect the play from their back three to get the ball up to their front line. You saw it against Fulham. They have no way to play through the middle of any type of low block. And there were often times against Copenhagen where we talk a lot about buildup structures. They were trying to do a three, one, six, but they just don't have anybody in that one spot who can connect it. Nobody like, you know, like a, uh, a Frankie de Jong or a Declan Rice or somebody like that. So it ended up being a three zero seven. They just like were just trying to send long balls from the back line up to the front and just hope for the best. Rashford missed the match against Fulham. I don't know if he's going to play in this one. Uh, we'll have to see. That's obviously a massive loss for United, who are getting very little production out of Hoyland right now. So what's going to change for United in the second leg, especially going on the road to Copenhagen? Are who's how are they going to build up and break down this low block? if they weren't able to do it effectively in the first leg, is there just going to have to be some more magic like it was against Fulham? Like that's what it's going to have to take. So for all you wonder goal fans out there who are fans of our big parlays, this is our biggest one. Copenhagen plus three twenty, Braga 11 to one Galatasaray 11 to one pays out 603 to one. That's the parlay for this. And it's all on Wednesday in the champions league too. Um, but no, from a from a normal bet, yeah, bet them I separately. Like, too, you know that's what I usually do. Bet so a little bit, a little bit separately. <laughs> right, go all in on this part. Yeah, yeah, lose, 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 lose everything. Yeah. yeah. Well, we'd be we'd be on uh, you know, probably on a beach in Monaco somewhere if we we put everything on this in a one. Um, but no, I do like Copenhagen. If this wins. Um, if this wins. I'll be in Cabo in December. You can find exactly. me there. Um, but I do have United in this match, just home. real quick from a projection standpoint, just to, you know, obviously uh, things were a little crazy in that first leg, but I do have United only at about plus 135 here. So um, I do actually project quite a bit of value on Copenhagen here at home. It's a great bet. Um, all right. That does it. Great, great note to end it on. Uh, another Manchester United fade. Pretty excited to see what rabbit they pull out of the hat. Uh, in Denmark, uh, and we can lament about it on our next episode. Uh, we will be back on Wednesday, uh, excuse me, on Thursday morning for uh, the Premier League. And then it's a, it's an international break again, right after that, right? Yep, after that we got so, an international break. Uh, that'll, uh, so we got a couple more, and then uh, after that we get into the festive fixtures and, and all that jazz. So uh, hopefully this Champions League stuffs our pockets and we can get ready to bet those uh, with an added bankroll uh, for BJ Cunningham, Anthony Dubundo, I'm Michael Leboff. Thank you again for listening to Wonder Goal. Uh, thank you to our sponsors, Bet365. Thank you to our producer, Noah. Uh, we will see you again in a couple of days. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.